0: Tonight, we are going to be in two different chapters, Revelation 15 and 16, and we are getting towards the end of the timeline, so let's go ahead and open a word of prayer and then we'll get going. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. We thank you for um, Ryan and Barrett. We thank you for their worship and their heart um, to sing praises to you. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who uh, come out um, um, each and every Tuesday night. And I, I just pray that tonight as we dig into your word and as we dig into the, just the complexity um, that is a revelation, that you will open our minds and eyes to see exactly what you want us to see. Give us your wisdom. Uh, give us your eyesight. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that you take away all distractions and um, we give you all the praise and glory. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 15. And again, if you have one of these timelines, um, you'll notice on the on the front or back, you can label whichever, um, we have the three divine judgments. And we've talked uh, about these um, three sets of divine judgments, um, the seven seal judgments. And then within the seventh seal, we have the seven trumpets. And then within the seventh trumpet, we have the seven bowls. So actually there are seven divine judgments, seven seals, but within the seventh of each are another group of seven. If that makes sense. So tonight we're going to look at the last um, seven judgments when we get to chapter 16. Some of your translations might say seven vials, um, but let's go ahead and look at um, chapter 15. And as we, we've seen already in Revelation, and if you were with us in the summer um, for the study of Genesis, you'll notice that A lot of times um, the writers, especially in the the Hebrew culture, will give you the whole story and then they'll go right back and they'll focus in on one part. And you saw that in the first chapter of Genesis. We got the full story of creation. All six days plus the seventh day God rested. And in chapter two, it's not a separate creation story. It's actually focusing in back on just day six. And so it goes into do. well. we sort of see this happening is. Um, in Revelation as well. We see, we see a lot of times John will give you the whole story and then he'll come back and zero in. And so over the next couple of weeks, tonight we're going to go and we're actually going to finish the tribulation. We're going to get all the way to the seventh um, and final judgment. And then next week, John's going to zero in on one piece of it. So we'll talk about this whole idea of who Babylon is and all that kind of fun stuff. But let's look at tonight, chapter 15. Um, and we'll start in verse one. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. So we've seen that a couple times um, in um, Revelation. We saw that at the beginning of chapter 12 where we, where you see a great sign. So we're about to see another great sign. Seven angels with the seven Last plagues. Last because with them, God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses And of the Lamb. Okay, so John, we now have another transitional moment in Revelation. Um, He has been down looking at things that are happening on Earth, and we've talked about the 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 unholy Trinity. We've talked about um, the Beast, um, the False Prophet, obviously Satan, the Great Dragon, and so now we're going from Earth and and we're we're transporting back up into Heaven. Okay, and so we see this this great this great sign that is happening in heaven. And we see seven angels with seven last plagues. And and it says last because this is is it. This is it. Um, For us, we're at the end of our timeline. For Revelation, we are at the end of God's judgment. His judgment will be completed after this. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass. Now, we've seen that already depicted um, in Revelation, we've talked about it a couple different times. And so we're now back up into, into heaven. We're back up into that that cosmic throne room. And we see this sea of glass. And we see next to the seat, standing beside the sea, are those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. So, So we talked about the beast and the mark of the beast... And the number of its name, 666. And we walk through all the different possibilities um, that um, that could represent. And maybe where or where these um, different marks would be. But what this is se- seeming um, to portray is the people that are standing in the sea of glass at the throne of God. Are people that were martyred when? During the tribulation. Because it's those who are victorious over the mark of the beast. So it has to be talking about those who have given their lives during this great tribulation. Um, they were given harps, which is, is pretty cool, um, and they sang the song of God, um, Moses, or of God's servant Moses and the Lamb, and here it is. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the Nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Powerful little song. And it talks about something that is really important for us to understand as Christians. And that that is this. God is holy. God is holy. And we often overlook that with a lot of the other um, divine attributes, attributes that God has. But God is holy. He cannot have any sin, cannot deal with sin. And because God is holy and because God is just, he has to punish sin. He has to take care of sin. And did you notice who's worshiping? Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. God is not only deserving of worship, he will get worship someday. Atheism is only an earthly thing. There will be no atheists after death. Everyone will know who God is. Everyone will know about his holiness and about his justice. After this, I looked, and I saw in heaven the temple, that is, the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, or some of your translations would say vials, filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So chapter 15 is a, a short chapter. It's just a, it's just a little... A little brief glimpse until we get into the final judgment, just eight verses in all, and it really talks about God and God's glory and God's justice and, and who God is and why there has to be wrath. Why why sin has to be dealt with. Why God can't just go, oh, it's okay, never mind. You won't do it again. Sin has got to be paid for. And then we get into chapter 16 and, and for this you'll want to take out Out your timeline. And on the back, it just goes through the seven different, but we'll read them here. Then I heard a loud voice. And the actual literal translation of that is uh, mega. I heard a massive mega voice. So it wasn't just loud. It was all-encompassing. It was a massive mega voice. And I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go. Pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went out and poured his bowl on the land, and ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it And it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One. You are, and who were, For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God. Who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water had dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits and looked; they that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. This is the first time it uses the term false prophet. And from now on that beast will be called false prophet for the rest of the time. They are demonic spirits that form signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed, so as to not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they they gathered the kings together at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. We'll go ahead and pause there. So we look at these first six judgments. Look at this first one. And it depicts these bowls filled with God's wrath being poured out, being poured out. It also depicts that these judgments aren't spaced out. They're just like in, boom, 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 boom. Okay, this is not a spaced out judgment. These are happening, bam, then bam, then bam. We are at the very end of time right now. We're at the very end of tribulation. So the first one was a curse on the land, and it actually affected the followers of the Antichrist. Festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. I don't know what the festering sores were, and I really don't want to know. It just has to be excruciating. I don't know if anybody is. That, I mean, if you have chickenpox or or measles or shingles, or, I can't imagine what these sores would be like and how much agony and how much pain would come out of these. And you'll notice as we're looking at these first four judgments, they're, they're, they're sort of they're judgments on nature. We see land and sea and rivers and the air, and it, it sort of mirrors the first four judgments of the trumpets. The second angel poured out his bowl onto the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. Okay, and we're starting to not only see parallels between the seven trumpets, but we're starting to see parallels between the plagues of Egypt as well. So the sea, everything in the sea dies. So this is a progression because we look back at the trumpets, and only a third of ocean life and ships are destroyed. Now we've got the full, the full boat. Everything is destroyed. Everything is dead. It's so easy to read through Revelation and have all these things flying at you, all these judgments and going, okay, and not really stopping and comprehending. Imagine what it would be like to have the entire ocean dead. Just take a moment and imagine that. Everything in the ocean dead. All the fish. Everything. Imagine the smell. Imagine the sight. We see these um, old pictures of, of wartime battles. And you see the dead things floating on the surface. Imagine what it would be like from, of everything dying. Everything from miles down in the sea dying and coming up imagine that scene the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood then i heard the angel in charge of the waters say you are just in these judgments o holy one you who are and who were For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. And you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Wow. God, you are holy. Your judgments are true. Look at that depiction. For years, these people spilled the blood of your prophets. Spilled the blood of your martyrs, and now you are giving back what they gave. At one time, you offered a cup of living water, that whoever would drink out of that would have eternal life. Now it's too late. Now the only cup that's flowing over is a cup of wrath, a cup filled with blood. The fourth angel poured out his bowl onto the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. So we have seen horrific sores. We've seen all the world's oceans die. We've seen all the rivers, are poison, turn to blood. And now the sun turns hot and blistering and searing occurs. Now we could probably posit a bunch of different scientific possibilities of why the sun will get hot. What will, what will be uh, eliminated between us and the sun. Maybe the ozone. Whatever. It doesn't matter. All we know is the Bible says the sun will get hot. And people will blister. Even Arizonans are not used to this. This will be hot. Again, take time and imagine living through this. Imagine comprehending this. And what's the reaction? They're cursing God, they're cursing God. It's worse. The fifth angel poured out his bowl onto the throne of the beast. So the first four judgments are natural. Now the next three are aimed at the spiritual. And this first one's gonna go after the throne. Not God's throne. But the throne of the beast. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. And its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of Heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. So everything keeps compiling. They've got blistering sores. Their sons are their their skins now getting blistered and, and and seared. And now now the lights out. Everything's going bad. And yet they refused to repent. In fact, as we talked about last week, there, there is a clear indication that, that not only is there no repentance, but that repentance probably wouldn't have been granted anyway. These people have accepted the mark of the beast, They've accepted, they've chosen their path. Six angel poured out his bowl onto the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. So the great river Euphrates. From the base of Mount Ararat all the way down into the sea. About 1,800 miles and this great river that really marks the edge of the promised land not the edge of palestine remember god promised the israelites a lot more than what they actually took and so the, the, this natural barrier has now dried up The euphrates is now dried up and then i saw three impure spirits that look like frogs they came out of the mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits that perform signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world and gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. So we see these three unclean demonic spirits coming out of the, what we've called the unholy trinity, the great dragon, which is a mock of God the antichrist which is mocking jesus and the false prophet which is mocking the spirit we see these three unclean spirits come out that that resemble frogs now whether they what that looks like we don't know it could have been symbolic for something in that culture a frog was was often used to depict evil i know the frog union is probably furious about that but kermit but a lot of times those were depicted as evil And, and what does it say they do they go and gather the nations they gather the kings and they rally them for what war at some point in human history someone has got to stand up and go Guys, we can't win this. We can't win this. But for whatever reason, pride, let's go, let's go do it. And what that looks like, we don't know. Because we don't know when this happens. If it happened today or next week, you can picture the armies of the world rallying together. Tanks and planes and helicopters. All rallying. And then we get this little break. Verse 15. Some of your Bibles might even have it in red. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed, so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. I come like a thief. Now, where have we heard that before? Well, in depictions of the rapture. And so some people go, ha 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 ha, the rapture happens at the end. No. It's a common statement. When someone comes like a thief, that means it's imminent. It can happen at any time. And so as we are at the end of the tribulation, the second coming is about to happen. There's nothing else that needs to happen. The judgments are completed. Then they gathered the kings together together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So let's look at this whole idea of Armageddon and, and the battle of Armageddon. And I always thought that would be a cool heavy metal band name, Armageddon. You know, and, and we've heard about this battle and how awesome this is going to be and how immense this is going to be. Do you realize this is the only place in all of scripture that mentions Armageddon? It's the only time the word appears in the entire Bible. And yet the way we talk about it, it seems like it's talked about every chapter in Revelation. It's the only time it's mentioned. And it's not even called the Battle of Armageddon. Let's read that again. They gathered the kings to a place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Armageddon in Hebrew is a transliteration. It's a use of two different words. The Hebrew word har, which means mountain. It could possibly also mean hill or plateau. And the Hebrew word Megiddo, which means a gathering place. A place where people would gather. So the fact that, that those two words were used may make a lot of people go, ah, oh, this must happen up on the plains of Megiddo, which is about 60 miles north of Israel. That's where the battle, the final battle is going to happen. The Bible really doesn't say that. It's possible. It's possible you can get that from there. But for all the world's armies to gather on that little spot on the globe is going to be a little tough, to be honest. We don't know what's going to happen here. We don't know where this final affront to God is going to take place. It's very possible it does happen. It could happen on the entire length of what's known modern day Israel or Palestine, but we do know that the kings are going to be are going to gather together in a place called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. Okay, the term "into the air" most likely means it, um, Satan is often termed a, a, as the king of the air. And so th- th- this bowl again is aimed at Satan himself. The seventh angel poured out the bowl into the air. And out of the temple came a loud voice saying, or from the throne saying, It is done. It is done. Whew. All this, it's done. And not just all this. Judgment. It's all coming to a a point right now. Now the words, it is done. This is not the same thing that Jesus said upon the cross. It is finished. It is done does not mean it is finished. A better way to think of of the, the words here would be the goal has been reached. The goal has been reached. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. Now listen to this description. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts. And the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon and the, the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, we'll get to that in a second, fell on the people and they cursed God. On the count of the plague of hail. Because the plague was so terrible. All right. Picture that. The seventh and final bowl. Which completes the series of bowls. Which completes the series of trumpets. Which ultimately completes the seven seals of judgment. Listen to the wording in there. An earthquake like the world has never seen. This is not an earthquake that will have a city's name in front of it. The San Francisco earthquake. The Landers earthquake. And I've been in some crazy earthquakes. How many from Southern California? Okay. How many remember some of those earthquakes? Now, there hasn't been one out there in a while, which is a little scary. But I remember being in the Big Bear earthquake. I lived in a place called Jucaipa, and we were right on the foothills of Big Bear, right next to San Bernardino, Redlands area. And, and there were actually two earthquakes um, there, and I was working at Forest Home Christian Conference Center, and I was, I was a camo, which was a cool name that we gave for basically cleaning toilets. And, and so every night, or every day, we cleaned toilets, made beds, okay, the one time in my life I made a bed, uh, I made thousands of them, made beds, vacuumed and all that. My wife often laughs. You you worked at Forest, you you made beds, you cleaned toilets, you scrubbed showers, you you vacuumed? Really? I did. (laughs) And I remember at nights, um, we used to go um, and we'd play Risk all night because we were in college and that's what you did. And I remember that first earthquake on Saturday night. And it just lit the place up. And we all hit the deck and then we looked at each other and and we're from Southern California, We we knew what those things were. And and, and so we ran out and all of a sudden we ran outside the main main dining hall and we heard this (laughs) And what we found out later was boulders were coming off the mountain heading for camp. Okay, So as we were running, one of my friends alertly says avalanche! That's all we needed to hear. So we just ran towards the river. And we ran down to the to where the girls' dorms were because we needed to check and make sure they were okay. And of course they were running out too, different story. And so, and I remember that day and we woke up the next morning to the next earthquake and it was bigger than the first. And I literally, I was on the top bunk and in one second I was like, oh, earthquake. Next second I was like, oh, I'm on the floor. It knocked me, it it moved so quick, it knocked me on the floor, and the door of the cabin was going wham, 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 and we could see the porch doing this. You know that old, those old clips of the, the, like the 40s on the San Francisco? It was incredible, and I remember that, that whole week, um, they obviously canceled camps. It was a God thing, because two of those boulders destroyed, flattened tent or teepees which would have killed probably 40 kids but it was the one time during the week that there was no camp Saturday night and I just remember the power of that earthquake and I remember for the rest of the camp every little jar everybody would go we were all on edge sometimes aftershocks are worse than the original now that was a a 6.9 and a 7.2 We've had earthquakes that have registered in the eights and nines, I think, eights for sure. This is the greatest earthquake that's ever been. And it's not a a localized earthquake. It's a worldwide quake. So violent, so much movement, that mountains are disappearing. Islands are sinking. And we know islands are just the top of mountains under water. Mountains are just being flattened. The earth is moving. The continents are moving. There's tectonic shifts. This is crazy. If a 7.2 is going to knock me off my bunk, what's going to happen during this? And how ticked am I going to be? Because I'm already seared and blistered and soared. And now I'm getting thrown all around. This is a huge issue big earthquake. And remember, the world's already gone through a worldwide flood, which earthquakes were part of that. So this is something that's unimaginable. Unimaginable. If mountains are disappearing, there can't be any more buildings left. Imagine the devastation. And if that weren't enough, here comes the hail! How many have ever been in a big hailstorm, guys? Are people from Texas, from the plains. What? At what point does hail stop being hail and become iceberg? You know, I mean, at what point do you stop going? Oh, that's hail, and that's really—it's a block of ice this big. I'm a bowler. Pure athlete. My bowling balls weigh sixteen pounds. I can't imagine what a hundred pound piece of hail looks like, sounds like, feels like. It is done. God's wrath upon mankind, God's wrath upon creation, it's done. Over the next couple chapters, John is now gonna zero back in on what's happening specifically with Babylon. And so next week we're gonna we're gonna zero in. What what's Babylon? What is that great city? What what, what is John talking about? But as we close this week and before we get to questions, the takeaway for me is God is holy, and sin is real, and sin has to be judged. We would hold a police officer absolutely accountable if he stood by and watched a murder happen and not didn't do anything about it, or a judge knowing full well that this person was murdered, or this person did this crime, and they let them off. How? I mean look at the news headlines every time someone who we believe is a murderer gets off the rage that happens but yet for whatever reason when we deal with God we go well God what why do you have why do you have to hold them accountable why does our our view on justice flip when we talk about God is it maybe because we're the guilty? As believers, we, we've got to know and we've got to understand that, that God will judge the world. And it has to happen. And, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't judge the world. He wouldn't be God if he didn't judge sin. We wouldn't have relationship if he didn't do that. But it is the grace that even in the midst of this, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us, that he gave us that opportunity. While we deserved wrath, Jesus took the wrath upon him. Jesus drank that cup for us and gave us clean, pure water. Eternal water. But again, it's our choice. We have the free will to choose God, choose this gift, choose this redemptive gift for us, or we can continue in separation, continue with our hand against God, saying, you know what? Forget it. I don't want your gift. I want to remain separated from you. I don't love you, I don't believe you existed. That's our choice. But at some point, now God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but at some point, it's going to come to the head. Now, as believers, we've accepted that gift. We've confessed with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And we're saved because of that. But as believers, God has put us into positions, whether it's where you work, whether it's within your family, on your city block, the sport teams your kids play for. He has put us into position and in places where we can still tell people about this grace, tell people about this gift, so they do not have to deal with this. And as bad as this sounds, and it's bad, as bad as This list is, that's nothing compared to eternal separation from God. I'll take a hundred pound hail every second of the day compared to eternal separation from God. And yet that's where people who don't know Jesus Christ are going. God's not sending them there. They're already there. They're already separated. So my challenge, again... It's twofold. If you're in here and and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, thank you for coming. Keep coming. Keep keep digging in. Keep searching. But I'm going to ask you, at some point, God's going to call you to a decision. Are you for me or against me? And for those of us in here that do know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, again, and we say this, and we're we're getting repetitive in this, but it's that important. We can't have our friends go through this. We can't have our friends be separated from God. We We can't even have our enemies be separated from God. We've got to do everything in our power to tell people about Jesus, to support ministries that tell people about Jesus, to give our time, talents, treasures behind Jesus. It's that important because we know the end. Close with this. If you right now were magically transported Back almost 102 years ago, and you find yourself on the deck of the Titanic, April 12th, and you're just leaving Southampton. And you know, you know what's gonna happen. What's your next two and a half days look like? How many of you are playing shuffleboard on the decks? How many of you are swimming in the pools and just enjoying yourself and, 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 and taking care of your needs and, and enjoying the ride? And Well, we know the answer. We're human beings. And if we know that in two days this ship is going to sink, we're going to do a bunch of things. We're going to try to warn them. They probably won't listen because the Titanic's unsinkable. but we're going to do everything in our power to make sure people are saved that, that trip. We know the end, and we don't know how much time we have left. What are we doing with what God has given us? Time, talents, treasures, to make sure that the gap is closed for as many people as possible. Let's pray and then we'll get some questions. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace. And we thank you that you are holy. And because you are a God worthy of our worship, you're worthy of everything we have. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you brought someone into our life at some point that pointed us to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you you burden us to be that someone for someone else. Heavenly Father, I I pray for those in here that know you as their Lord and Savior. Burden us with the gospel. And Heavenly Father, for those in here that that are still searching, and that's wonderful, and for those here that might not know who you are, Heavenly Father, Answer the questions that they would have. Pierce their heart. Let them see your love for them, which is beyond a measure. Let them know that they are priceless. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that you, the God of the universe, longs to have a relationship with them forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this church. Thank you for what's been happening this year and what's going to happen next year and beyond. And Heavenly Father, with all the great things, I pray that this church never forgets that, that it's your name that needs to be famous, not cornerstones. And we thank you that we have a leader that believes that, a leader that's willing to take the risks to reach as many people with the gospel of Jesus. Heavenly Father, be with us this week. Be with our families as we celebrate Thanksgiving and bring us back in a couple weeks um, as we continue and we conclude um, the study of Revelation. We love you and we praise you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, do we have any questions out there? All right, we got one right down in front. So at the very end, you're talking about the sores, the world's oceans dying, poison, all the fun stuff, right? People don't die during this time as well because I'm imagining they wouldn't really. They're what now? Are people dying at this time? I believe because so. at the very, there's that one, at the beginning of Revelations, I forget what chapter it was, you're saying that people would seek death but wouldn't find it. Yeah, I, b- so I believe, that's a great question, actually. there's horrific sores and all that and everyone's going through all this stuff, then they wouldn't really get to the... Yeah, I yeah, know. I believe, but that's something I'll actually go research because um, there is a there, there is a possibility, um, to be honest, that maybe people are still, as we talked about several chapters ago, people were seeking death and they could not find it. Whether that is still holding true now, um, um, I'll, I'll check. I'll check for you, but um, I know eventually people are going to die, and I believe at this point, um, these judgments are bringing death. And judgment, just because the chapter before gives that you know graphic depiction of of the wine press, and the, so I, I I would say, but I'm not going to be dogmatic. I'll, I'll check on that. Yep. Those people had uh, of the beast. Uh huh. Um, they had accepted the mark of the beast, so it was too late for them to change their mind and repent. But it keeps saying that um, they chose not to don't they not have a choice yeah and that's uh, sort of what I was saying it 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 does it does seem to to indicate that wow maybe there's still a chance and they just refused I think it's just saying it's just showing showing the how separated the people were that that they refused to repent now repenting is turning and stop and to stop doing what you're doing but salvation is a different thing Okay, so it's possible that maybe people would have an opportunity to turn, and then God would say, too late. Okay, so repent's a little different than that, but I, I, I think it's more of just an, uh, it, it's alluding to the fact that people were depraved, and even though the judgments were happening, they still were cursing God and um, um, not, not repenting. Okay. i don't think it is i don't think it's biblical um, I think angels are ministering spirits and they and they still um, are are active in that, but i don't think each and every one of us have a specific guardian angel i don't i don't think that that's a biblical statement I mean I remember when I was young i i, I definitely i bel- i believed it and i w- I would talk to my dude but um yeah i, I just don't i don't think it's be cool though, yeah and i think and I think part of that is no offense. why would I want to talk to my guardian angel when i I could talk to my lord and Savior and so so as cool as angels are there it's definitely are yeah. right, any others? Now, he's down here, so someone in the back should raise your hand. That's, that's always... <laughs> All right, well, let's close in prayer, and we'll, we'll get you guys out of here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for each and every person that comes here. We thank you for your word, and we thank you um, for the promise that someday you are coming back. and. Someday there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more separation, and we will have eternal life with our Lord and Savior that never ends. It's forever and ever and ever. And Heavenly Father, I just thank you that that while we are here, you have given us this commission, this great commission to go to all the world and make disciples telling people about the gospel, the good news that is Jesus Christ heavenly father give us that burden as individuals as a church to reach out and touch people with your gospel we thank you for the blessing that you give us for this study and we just pray again that you keep people safe over the holidays and then you bring everybody back it's in your precious name we pray amen all right thank you guys for coming we'll see you in two two weeks